0: Hello and welcome to the second part episode of The Inspired Attorney, hosted by me, Sharon B, where I'm interviewing Ricky Patel. Ricky shares with us in this episode four things that he says anybody starting a practice should know. We also talk about the importance of maintaining good mental health in the legal community, burnout, how he maintains a work-life balance, and finds time for the things that he loves, such as his family and his philanthropic efforts. We also talk about his wishes for the future of the legal world. How would you recommend someone go about starting a practice? If you were to just blanketly say, like, this is where I would recommend you start, what would you say?
1: If I could go back, um, and there's always things that you can modify and change and so forth. Number one is simple. You, the practice of, you know, John Smith. Uh, LLC, it's fine. Having one name is fine. Don't be eager to partner up with someone unless they are adding value. That's the biggest key. Uh, I have been fortunate. I have the greatest partners in the world. So it was myself and Wes, and we merged about four years ago with two of our best friends, uh, one of which uh, graduated in our class, and it worked. If it weren't for that, we never would have done it. So number one, don't look for a partner. You look for a partner because of that sense of if I feel a certain way, hopefully they'll help me through this. You can seek guidance from alumni, from friends, and so forth without having to do that, okay? So you're
0: so saying number, number one, one is ask for help?
1: Yes, of course. Ask for help, but don't feel like the help is to partner up with someone because it will prevent you from struggling alone. That's not the case. If you're going to struggle, you're going to struggle together, right? Um, so once again, I was fortunate in that I found someone that, I cared deeply about, and we shared the same goals, and we had known each other, and it, we were very fortunate in that. We it could have gone the other way, and I could have picked someone because I felt a certain way, and it could have gone the other way. So, don't jump into just a partnership in the beginning. Start your own firm. Do not try and hire a hundred attorneys. What happens is a lot of people feel like, okay, well, I'm Superman, but in order for everyone else to respect me, I have to say how big my firm is, how many attorneys I have, how many paralegals. So this thing, I have no idea how many attorneys and paralegals we have. It's not something that uh, on a daily basis, I ask the partners for accounts so I can go out and bolster, right? You don't need to do that. If someone has a difficult time in rep- in in hiring you because you're a sole proprietor, that's their loss. Sometimes having a sole proprietor is the best thing. You know, you have someone that you know is gonna grind and work hard uh, to maintain this. Um, so I use this thing called a suffocation mode. and and people will remember this. Do not hire someone unless you feel like you're suffocating until you have a point where you're like, I absolutely cannot do any more. Otherwise, I'm going to commit malpractice by not being able to sufficiently check the documents, or I can bring on a lot more cases, but I physically cannot take on any more. Once you feel that suffocation, then start looking into it. If you do that, you'll create a successful business and not once again, a hobby that you want to show everyone, look, I have three attorneys. It never lasts. It never, and in all my years, I've seen people do that. And I try to guide them in don't hire just to show. Okay. Uh, You can be a phenomenal attorney without having a whole bunch of staff and overhead uh, to, to, to weigh you down. Number three is pick cases that create a foundation and then have some of the cases that you really enjoy that may not be instantly gratifying. Statutory fees. Okay. I cannot tell you how incredible statutory fees are, um, anyone that's starting their firm, look up statutory fee cases. And these are cases that are slam dunk cases. You know, these are the, I'll give you an example is the um, the telemarketing cases, right? Um, the, the cases where it's a clear violation. Did you call here? Were you supposed to? Oh, you did wrong. Okay. Well, here's what you have to pay. And now you are required to pay my attorney's fees. Those are great because it doesn't require a lot of manpower. And the State has already provided you a gift, okay? A gift in this is gonna be easy for you to be able to cover your bills and send over your billables, and the other side's not gonna fight with you on it because they violate it. It's a clear violation. And the more they fight with you, uh, the more money you're gonna get in attorney's fees. So statutory fees is something that people rarely look at. Um don't jump into medical malpractice cases, don't jump into anything that requires a monster investment fund. Keep those cases for later on. If there is a great medical malpractice case that you have that you feel very, very strong about, partner up with someone. The great part about it is you get to be involved. You get to have the experience. You get to work with someone that hopefully should be fronting the cost of all these experts and then go. It wasn't until 2015 that we took on our first uh, medical malpractice cases where we represented twins that had cerebral palsy, two little girls. And their brains were demolished because the doctors completely just messed up. And, uh, we enjoyed that case because it meant more to us than the monetary value. But it cost us around $160,000, $170,000 for experts and going through this case. And it was, if we had taken this case on in the beginning, it would have bankrupted us because we would have been taking loans. That leads me to the next thing. Do not take loans unless you need to. Um, you can maintain a great practice without having loans. A lot of people put too much on their plate by taking loans from companies that will lend any attorney money. There's so many of them out there. Um, be careful about this in the beginning. Later on, if you feel that you've built a great practice and you know what's going to come in and you need it to build up, do so. But don't jump into that right away. That's a big mistake. Why do you want to play that catching up game instead of saying, okay, okay. I can, once again, practice by myself and make this much money, which allows me to live comfortably and grow my practice up organically. That's the way where you'll enjoy it and you'll be able to build a great firm.
0: So in terms of your philanthropic efforts, because I know that you're huge into that, you also have your firm. You said that um, to me uh, on the side that you also have other businesses and you have a family. So how do you manage everything and maintain a good work-life balance?
1: That is a good question. So one of the things with law, let's let's start with the legal aspect first. People get burnt out. And the reason behind it is it's a chasing game, right? How do I take in as many cases as possible? They all seem like great cases. I don't know when to say no. I need this case because this money will allow for me to make enough where I can transition out of law. like. This is an argument that people in law told themselves, so. and they get to the point where they end up hating it because they're chasing this step to get away from this feeling they have. Um, it's all about balance. It is. And it's, it's difficult to hear those words if you did not hear what I just explained about what I had to go through to get there. Balance is everything. You cannot take every single case. You cannot overly leverage yourself. You cannot tell yourself, I am going to get this one case that's going to get me out of this. That's that's not the case. Law is beautiful. It's fun. It's exciting if you let it be. okay. It's like anything in life, a relationship, things that you enjoy. You have to have this balance of, I'm going to handle these types of cases. I know what to expect in these cases. This isn't a roll the dice and hope that I get a, a, a $10 million verdict from a car accident. You, you've got to set expectations for yourself. And you've got to remind yourself that you enjoy this. Number two is family is is critical. I was in one way fortunate that it was just myself and my wife in the beginning. Uh, my wife was uh, practicing pharmacy in the first two years that we were practicing law. So it actually gave me the ability to keep pushing without thinking, how are we going to be able to pay our bills? Which, once again, remember the the fortune part of having certain things play in, right? Right. Um, you have to make time for things that you love. Um, at that time, my wife was very understanding of, you've got to put the time in right now. But we were handling cases that we enjoyed. From that point on, in 2010, I decided, um, when you have a big case, everyone finds out about it. And when everyone finds out about it, it can be good in one way, it can be bad in another way. The bad part is that family and friends out the woodworks come out that you didn't even know. And everyone wants, you know, oh, I've got this charity. I'm going to walk around the track and I need a thousand. Okay, all right, here we'll give this person a little bit. Uh, this I know some spinal X. Some of these conditions, I still to this day could not tell you what they are. And I don't know where these people were running or what they were doing. And at the end of the year, I remember uh, myself and Wes looking at this saying, we don't feel good about this we don't feel good about this. We gave the money because we felt guilty, right? Like, okay, this person really needs it. Why are we not giving? And I told myself I wanted to get involved in an organization, into one organization and make an impact. And the area that I went into was children's causes. It was the, at that time, the Miami Children's Hospital. And the reason I did that was I I tell myself that usually the conditions that we have, the issues that we have, we usually bring upon ourselves. You know, what are we eating? What are we drinking? Are we driving? Are we hurting the environment? Are we doing all these things? They, they, most of these things, can be controlled if you really think about it. I mean, look at the quarantine right now. Okay, if you look outside, fresh air now. I mean, there's things that are actually fixing stuff if we allow it to. Children, in my opinion, are the ones that can't help themselves. They can't. They're kind of dealt the cards that they are. There is nothing more devastating than watching a child or or an animal. Those that cannot defend themselves hurt and be in pain so i joined the miami children's hospital and we created uh, the young ambassadors which was just um, a way for us to have people under 45 get together and and work and uh i grew on the leadership committee i chaired it for a while i created this event called fashion gives back which i'm not sure if you have heard of um we started this eight or nine years ago and um 30 people showed up to a little fashion show we had. We raised like 2,000 bucks or something like that. And now we have 450 people that show up every year, over $100,000. We make a major impact. Gucci, Neiman Marcus, Tom Ford are all our sponsors. It's it's turned to a significant model. Once again, it goes back to, it was very easy to have just quit when 30 people showed up. The next year, 40 people showed up and we kept at it. And I worked from there to I was offered a position on the board of the Children's Hospital. And when you're talking about, um, time management, being on the board of the hospital and managing my law firm, which was at the peak for me because I was taking very, very complex cases that were mainstream on the news, on the media, representing players and, um, you know, representing rape victims, like, like very tough cases and which I want to harp on that also because I think there's something very, very important about um, mental health, which I'm going to get to. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, give you some information that I don't share with a lot of people, which will be helpful. But I eventually became the chairman of the Children's Hospital. And the reason that was important is you have to find out it's a, a prioritization, right? Anytime someone says, I don't have time, it's not that they don't have time. It's that you are not priority. When someone tells you that I don't have time, it's something else took priority over that. And the thing I realized, is the children's hospital is extremely important to me the amount that i love my kids which is more than anything the whole universe i'm with my kids every day all day i'll make their breakfast i put them to bed i meditate with them every single day there's not a time that goes by because i can cancel something else and make time for them the children's hospital is one of those things that i can cancel other meetings to make time for that um, and that led me into starting my own foundation i have my own orphanage in haiti Which I go five or six times. I have 42 children that I take care of. I find a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, passion and feeling like I'm making a direct impact rather than just writing a check. You know, we take care of everything the schooling, housing. Um, and it's something that I really enjoy. I usually take about 10 or 15 people with me and they all come out of it just feeling like, there's more to the rat race than trying to collect cases, right? And sometimes that's what you need. Sometimes you just need something to give you a little bit of a refresher, right? Um, But is it okay if I transition into the mental health? Yeah, because
0: that that is definitely something I wanted to touch on because it's so important to maintain that mental health. So what do you do to strike that balance?
1: Sure. Um, A few years ago, I took on a very, very difficult case, probably one of the most difficult cases I've uh, taken in my life. And that was, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Baylor University. Mm -hmm. And Baylor University had a situation where the football players were raping uh, the female students and the university covered it up. They literally covered it up. You had the police that were involved in covering it up. And I wasn't aware of this. I've always been um, a huge proponent of women's rights. And this was before I had my two little daughters and um i always felt like there was a an injustice there was always something that felt wrong and this was a case that was brought to me because i had handled a few uh, high profile uh, cases in sports and so it was brought to me to represent the whistleblower on the case and she is to this day one of my heroes still a person that i speak with on a weekly basis and she told her story of being raped in church Um, at Baylor and over 40 women came to her within that week and told their stories about the rapes that had occurred with them. So I took this case on and my belief was, okay, I'm going to take this case on. We'll modify Title IX, which is a protective measure. Um, We were on 60 Minutes to show about this and, and we just like gave it everything. Here's the issue with this case. You're dealing with women who have not spoken with almost anyone before about brutal rapes. This isn't a 19-year-old that slept with a 16-year-old. This wasn't a, oh, I drank too much, and this happened. This was a physically being pulled into a room, raped, videotaped, clothes thrown out, and just demolishing someone's soul. And I had to do this day in and day out and listening to these stories. And I would get off the phone, and I would sob because I didn't want this person to hear me Um uh, just break down. And it was the first time in my life, anyone that knows me, I'm the positive guy. I'm the one that spreads the happiness. I literally went to depression. I had to get a therapist. Uh, my wife was so supportive in this is going to kill you. You cannot, there's only so much you can take. Remember the Superman theory I was telling you where everyone's looking up yeah. to you. Imagine being the lawyer from a family of refugees that had you know, built up a great firm and doing all these things. Everyone expects you to be the, the, the the saving grace, the guy that's going to fix everything. And it felt like things were falling apart because you were experiencing firsthand. This wasn't a movie. This wasn't something like this. You were speaking to someone that for 10 minutes straight could not speak because they're crying. Right. And um, I had to take that step and say, okay, I've got to find spirituality. I had to find Ways of doing yoga and meditating, and speaking with a counselor, and learning that hey, everything's okay. You just have to find ways to deal with it. You've got to find ways to escape from this, and that doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make you inferior. You're it, people aren't going to look at you and say, "Oh my gosh, Ricky Patel had to go to therapy over this." No, you're human, and. I believe that that case was given to me to not just help out those victims and work on Title IX and so forth, but also to be able to explain things happen. You know, there are times where you break down. It's okay to cry. It's okay to talk to someone. Um, I'm fortunate that I have a partner, my wife, and my partners in the firm who literally said, hey, stop. You've got to stop. Take a break. Because you're not going to help anyone out if your mindset is like this. And what happened was I went from a place of lowering to a place of being vengeful. And it was no longer a, I want uh, judicial equality and for these women to get what they need now. It turned into a, I've got to hurt the people that hurt them. And it wasn't until I went and I saw uh, therapy and started grounding myself that I looked at this and said, I'm going about this the wrong way. I'm trying to attack these players. These players, it, and and I'm gonna be sensitive with my words. It's not that they did anything wrong. What happened is, if you look at these players like children, if you allow children to believe that what they are doing is okay and that you're going to cover their mistakes, they will perpetuate this. And what happened was the university failed everyone. They failed the players by not punishing them. You know, by allowing them to think, as long as you play football, you can do whatever you want. They allowed these girls to be suspended from school because the first question they asked them was, did you have any alcohol? I had only one beer, but you're 19. Student code of conduct, we have to suspend you. And they they hurt everyone. And so I had to step back and start neutralizing what the actual threat was. And that never would have happened if I wasn't able to clear my mind up. And by doing so, it's allowed me to, on Fridays, I do a Zoom meditation for our entire firm. okay? So we do a meditation, and it allows for them to stop and get out of everything that's going on through the day and say, okay, everything's good, everything's fine. We know what we have to do. We know what we have to accomplish. We know how we have to accomplish it, but we can do so without allowing the emotion of quarantine and my family member, this is happening, and my cousin's sick of COVID, and it gets off that out. You're taking on too much pressure on you because of, Everyone in the family looking at you as Superman and you're taking that off. Not just the law, but everything else. And you've got to find a way to stop and say, I can't do this. I have to focus on A, B, and C. Write it down on a piece of paper. Write down the things that are bothering you. Deal with them one by one. And you'll realize, I don't hate the law. It's usually this feeling of this pressure that makes you hate the law. And when you can get past it, when you can talk to someone, you actually get back to this mode of I can do some really great things with law. Right.
0: So I think that it's really beautiful what you just shared, because I know that so many of our peers do struggle with that. And, you know, as an attorney, oftentimes you are your counselor and you take on the emotions of your clients and everything that they're going through. And many of our peers cope or try to shut off through drugs and alcohol Right. Uh, what would you recommend though, also in terms of the finding mental clarity, like for someone who may not be open to meditating or that may mm-hmm. be strange for them, right. where would you say someone should start?
1: So, so meditation is funny. If, if you mentioned meditation to me uh, 10 years ago, I would have pictured uh, someone sitting and, and chanting and meditating. That's great. That's that's one thing. But meditation, literally, let me give you the best thing. You get your phone out, and on your phone, you go ahead and schedule on your calendar for every single day, two minutes, just two minutes, no matter what's going on, to stop, to sit down, and let cold air go in as you te- deep breathe, and let warm air out. Cold air, good positive energy going in, warm air out is any doubt that you have. Two minutes. Anyone can afford to do two minutes a day. That is meditation, Okay anyone that does that what it does is it allows you to feel that humbling feeling of yes i have all of this debt i have all of this uh you know cases flying at me and so forth but you go ahead and do that and you come out and say i'm healthy i'm alive i have a roof over my head i have you know a healthy fam and and it helps you ground and it gives you that boost that you need right so if you don't do that if you if, if two minutes is difficult for you when you're working out, I, I truly believe that if you're not working out in this profession, you are you're you're doing irreparable harm to your body. Find a way to work out. Doesn't matter what it is. You want to play tennis, go play tennis, get on an elliptical, get on a Peloton, go find a gym membership, do something. And while you're doing that, if you can throw a yoga class in there, it's next level. Yoga and I bring my friends who are athletes and the most macho men you could possibly imagine. And the one benefit I have is that um, the respect that I have, they'll give me one try. So if I ask them to do something and they don't enjoy it, they'll make sure I hear it. But whenever I get friends, family, and, and uh, clients and staff to uh, do a class of meditation, uh, of yoga, they, they come out of it saying, number one, that was a great workout. Number two, I feel grounded. Try these things. Don't If, if you have to think about this and say, okay, I hate my life and there are people that use this word i hate my life i hate my career i hate this i hate that if this one piece of advice i'm giving you is do a two-minute meditation or go do a 30 40 minute yoga class if you have to make that one choice you may still come out of it and say i'm you know it's pleased with my career and my life but why not give it a try you know why not at least just say that you did everything before you know uh folding up and, and, and closing the doors give those a try, mental wellness is just so important and I see it all the time. You know, I've had a, a dear friend of mine, uh, that, that passed away uh, who committed suicide, uh, Irvin Gonzalez. And, um, yeah, Irvin was you, my mentor too. Yeah. And, and, and he was the fixer. He was Superman. Yeah. He, was... he was Superman. And, um, and, uh, I remember we were working cases together and we were having fun and I would go there and, um, it wasn't the legal side that, that did it. It was everything else around and he tried and he tried and he did. But it, the reason why I bring Irvin is not so much to, to delve into his, his, his beautiful life, but there's a lot of attorneys out there who, who feel like they're in this alone. And, and you don't have to be. You can reach out to anyone, reach out to someone that you may, uh, you know, feel comfortable with or reach out to someone you don't know as well. If you feel that you don't want to open up people, will be more compassionate than you think and you will hear stories. That's the reason why I wanted to explain this. There's no I don't speak about depression and going to therapy. It's not something that I speak about. It's important for me to mention it here because I'm hoping other people listen to it and say, well, this guy is my equal. He is someone that goes through the same things I go through, you know? And it's very, very important. Don't let the craziness of law uh, bring down all the incredible things around you. You know, it's not, it's not worth it.
0: I completely agree. I think that there's so many people that are silently suffering. Um, and that meditation as whatever connotation it has to it is so valuable because however long you do it in a day and working out, it creates that certainty for yourself that, you know, that time that you took, you're going to walk away from that feeling better.
1: Right. 100%. 100%. There's never been a time where I have meditated and not come out of it and said, okay, let's do this. My schedule, you asked me before, my schedule is insane. Okay? The law firm, my fam, my beautiful family that requires so much time, I have two dozen businesses of which some of them are, require a lot of time, you know? Uh, the charitable stuff, all of that stuff. I have two secretaries that schedule everything in um, and they make sure hour by hour I have a plan on who I'm speaking with, what I'm doing, what I'm moving forward. It's very, very important that while I'm going through that, that there is times of stop, take a deep breath, um, and uh, at night times, like I said, it's fun because if you have kids, you knock out two things in one go. Okay, I need to meditate, but I also love putting my daughters to sleep. Fantastic. Well, myself, and my daughters, every night meditate for ten minutes, and it's a moment that they look forward to. It helps me get something I need to get done. And it's a bonding thing. So you can always find ways to do stuff like this, right? Um, friend, friends of mine in law school who who have tried to get through and so forth without struggling, and I've spoke with them about this. And they send me videos of their little daughters or their little sons and little kids, and they're like, this kid is meditating and not running around and acting crazy, and they're coming out of this, and they're doing well. So it's it's a family thing, too. You can incorporate these things in. You know, time is so valuable i i sleep very little i go to sleep at two i wake up around seven o'clock and the moment i wake up i like to have everything planned out but before the day gets crazy i have to get a workout and i have to go and do a yoga meditation something else and take some time to myself i do gardening like i'm i'm that 80 year old woman that like goes around gardening and talking to the plants and the reason for it is it allows me to stop thinking about everything else anything that stops you from thinking about something else is something that is giving you some t- something for yourself. And if you have that, it allows you to make everything else around better.
0: That's beautiful. Taking it back to the reality of what's happening right now with the right. virus, how is your firm responding to the current situation?
1: And And that's a great question. So we have been situated, thankfully, once again, it boils down to uh, the right place, the right time. Remember how I mentioned that we did uh, Puerto Rico's uh, laws to protect them from property damage and so forth? Well, if you look at the current situation right now, one of the few businesses that has not been affected at all, actually that is doing better than any business out there, are insurance companies, okay? People aren't getting DUIs, houses aren't staying on fire, there's no malpractice and all this stuff going. These are very, very low risk times for insurance companies, but everyone's paying their premiums, right? As they're paying their premiums, they have to manage what is going on on the back side, which is their litigation side. So our law firm dealing with insurance companies, we have never been so busy because defense attorneys are also saying, during this time, we need to be billing. Well, if they need to be billing, they need to be working with us. So we've been situated due to statutory fees and being in these great positions of saying, we're not relying on our clients to send us a retainer check okay, in order to represent That's a difficult position because if we have to rely on that, how do you call up a client and say, we need that check in order for our firm to keep running when you know that COVID is destroying their business, right? You know it's destroying the business. So a lot of our commercial litigation clients that we have right now, we're doing the work for them and we'll delay payments for them because we're able to stay afloat, not just stay afloat, but do very well with the insurance cases that we have because those, again, process faster than ever. Defense firms are focusing on the things that they can. And they're not spending as much time going to the courts and so forth. We've even been so uh, blessed that a lot of the insurance companies that typically would waste a month in sending us a check. It's just the delays are wild. They've got past that because of sending checks and so forth take time, and it's difficult right now. They've started wiring us uh, the proceeds from the settlements and so forth. So we've been able to stay afloat, and it's given us this perspective now of realizing, hey, once we're out of this, we can now maneuver – around some of these things that we've learned with using technology where people working from home and so forth, that if we do need to hire people in other areas where we've been very nervous about um, expanding outside of Florida and Texas, uh, if, so if we want to move to now Colorado and California, these areas that we've really enjoyed, we can do so by not having to open up an office, like I said before, the crazy offices, have the attorneys work from home, and we've already looked at you know our IT and, and our, our our back data and so forth to manage this. So good things are coming out of it as far as our firm now what is happening to the rest of the world is devastating but i think people are going to come out stronger and more compassionate i think this is going to lead to people coming out and realizing we have taken so much for granted but this is our opportunity to get back and i think also people are going to start finding that passion for law again because this is the break that they didn't give themselves that they were forced to give themselves right and so when they get back they'll remember okay Going to the courthouse wasn't the worst thing. Going in and arguing a motion wasn't the worst thing. Meeting my opposition face-to-face wasn't the worst thing. And it's things that we may have taken for granted that I, I'm hoping bring back that passion a little bit again for attorneys that struggle.
0: That's beautiful. That transitions me to our final question. And sure. do you have anything that you wish for the future of the practice of law and for our peers?
1: Well... Um, I would like to see um, I would like to see more female attorneys. Um, It's still the point where we deal with a lot of male attorneys. Um, I'd like to see more female attorneys, more female uh, partner owners of law firms. Um, And that's something that we just put into place after we had our merger. um, We started putting into place to start fast tracking partnerships and so forth because um, if you don't have females within your circle, you're only seeing half. You're not, you're not getting the benefit of the whole picture, which, which I really enjoy. So I'd love to see the area of law with more female practitioners. Um, I would like to see um, you know, class actions change quite a bit. I would love to see people more passionate with class actions were created to create equality for people that could not fight the, the the Goliaths, right? It was created to to correctly uh, give uh, David the right tools to fight back. I'd like to see more attorneys taking on those cases, the, the giant cases of this isn't just about making money. It's about creating equality. I'd love to start seeing more of that. And I would love to see attorneys who are starting off start reaching out, reach out to Attorneys and partners and so forth and ask them, Hey, can you sit down with me for a coffee or lunch and give me some advice on how do I become a better attorney? How do I become a better person? How do I deal with issues I'm having in my family life and, and with friends and circles when I'm dealing with this? Come out there, break those, you know, break the ice and, and, and get the answer you need so you don't feel alone. But those are, those are pretty much the big things I'd love to see out there, you know, in my, in my euphoric society of things working well.
0: Amazing, Ricky. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for watching. This was a very special conversation for me, so I'd love to hear the insights that you gained and your takeaways from this conversation with Ricky Patel. Guys, if you are silently suffering, please reach out for the help that you need. You are not alone. Reach out to your local bar association. And in general, friends and family find a shoulder to lean on. Because although we're superheroes, when we reach out for help, it's actually a sign of strength. So and it helps us boost our superpowers. So why not utilize that as a way to boost our superpowers? This is why I've created The Inspired Attorney. It's an opportunity for us to learn from one another, gain valuable insights, and integrate these into our lives and practice for the better. So I hope you're feeling it, and I'll see you on the next episode.